Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Neil T. Anderson in his book, Victory Over Darkness, says, The truth is, is everyone lives by faith. The only difference between Christian faith and non-Christian faith is the object of their faith. All of us put our faith in something. What's the object of your faith? True faith only has one object, and that is God. Faith put in an end to anything else is a false faith. Because God is the one who is truly able. So as we look at believing God today, as we, as we look at what does this mean, what does it mean to believe God? I believe Beth Moore sums it up really well in her book, Believing God. And, and this is what she says. God is who He says who was. Do you believe that? Do you believe God is who He says He is? Do you believe God will do what He says He will do? Do you believe you are who God says you are? Do you believe you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Do you believe God's Word is alive and active in you? As we look at our life, a lot of areas where there's a lack of faith or unbelief, it's in these five categories. So open your Bible with me to Mark chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at the passage that starts in verse 14. And as we're looking at this passage, the reality is what we're going to do is we're going to look at there's four different types of people. Four different types of people in this passage that I want to look at besides Jesus. And uh, each of these people have put their faith in something other than God. And I want us to ask the question, what am I putting my faith in? So the first one is the religious leaders. Now the reality is, is they're just mentioned in this passage, aren't they? It's, it's not like there's this great um, teaching on the religious leaders at this point. But as you look at the Gospels, there's quite a bit there about them. And where do they put their faith? They put their faith in their own works. They put their faith in how much they know. How much good that they're doing. Their moral behavior. Is that where you're putting your faith today? Is your faith based on you and what you do? Their identity was so wrapped up in who they were. This is, just, this is what I found. When we have our identity, and this is just my opinion, but when my identity is wrapped up in Jonathan, when my identity is about how good I am and how, what people think about me and how smart I am, when somebody challenges me, I get argumentative. Does that make sense? As you look at Scripture, what do the Pharisees do a lot? They argue. 
They're arguing with Jesus. They're challenging him on stuff. They're, they're going after him. So Jesus is up on the mountain and they go after his disciples. Are you an argumentative person? That's good. So as you look at your life, do you find that you're always arguing? Now, don't misunderstand me. When there's truth and there's right, there's, we need to take a stand. I'm not saying that we are pushovers, that we don't stand up for what is right. But as you look at yourself, is your identity found in you? Are you your faith object? I trust me. I don't trust anybody else. I don't trust anything. I can do this. I already quoted Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but it's a good reminder again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so no one may boast. The next group I see in here is the crowd. And as we start to look at the crowd, again, Neil T. Anderson says in his book, Victory Over the Darkness, how much faith you have is dependent on how well you know the object of your faith. How much faith you have is dependent on how well you know the object of your faith. As I look at this, as I look at the Gospels, I do not believe that the crowd that we continue to see following Jesus knew Him. They did not know Him as God. You know what they saw Him as? They saw Him as this guy who did really cool things. He was this guy that, that fed the, them when they were hungry. Now that's awesome. I need to hang out with somebody like that. What was their response after Jesus fed the 5,000? They wanted to make him king. Why? Because they wanted him to take care of all of their problems. They did not know Jesus for who he truly was. We look at verses 14 and 15. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. See, there's that Jesus. Look down at verse 25 with me. Verse 25 says, And when Jesus saw a crowd come, a crowd come, came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit. Again, this crowd is like fans. They want the excitement. They're really about what they can get out of it. So my challenge is this. Do you know God for who He says He is? Here's our challenge. Many of us have an image of God that we believe. But when you take that image and you compare it to Scripture, it doesn't line up all the way. Does that make sense? Now, the reality is, is we are in a life of learning more and more about who God is. And so, I encourage and challenge you this. As you read the Word of God, ask the question, who does this say God is? And there's times I've read the Word of God, and I sit there and I go, oh my, 
That's different than what I think. And I have to choose whether I'm going to believe what God says about who He is versus who I want Him to be. You see, we have a tendency to be consumers. We look for God to help us, to give us what we want, to get what we can get. Everything, anything. And the problem is, this is not a prosperity gospel that Jesus teaches. It's not just about how I can be better and how my life is better. The reality is is this, it's not about me. It's about God. John 15, 18, and 19 says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as it is its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If you're looking to follow Jesus because it's going to make life perfect, you do not know Him as God. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Are you seeking to know God? Are you seeking Him? Are you hungering and, hungering and thirsting after Him? So often I, I, I have to wrestle with this. I don't want to just do my devotions in the morning and be done the rest of my days about me. I want it to be all about Christ. I want to know Him more. I want to experience Him. And I encourage you to seek Him in all your ways. The next group is the disciples. The disciples are interesting. The disciples went from putting their faith in God to putting them, their faith into a formula or um, themselves. All right, And it's a little bit hard to nail down. But if we were to look at, and I want to read to you Mark chapter 6, verse 7. So if you want to flip back a couple pages, Mark chapter 6, verse 7. And he called the twelve, and he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Then jump down to verse 12. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed many with oil who were sick and healed them. Now I want you to think about this. Two by two they went out. Very ordinary people, and they cast out demons. They healed people. Can you imagine how amazing that would be. And in that process, what happens 
It's sometimes we take our focus off of God and we put it on, well, all I got to do is say the right things, right? Sometimes we just got to say the right prayer as long as I use the right words. I don't think that's what it is at all. So why could the disciples not cast out this demon? As I've studied some different commentaries, the, the main thing that they've come to is this that they took their focus off of Jesus, that they tried to do it either in their own strength or they just thought they had to follow this this method. That is so dangerous. Because their direction they started was good. Their heart was good. But over a little bit of time, they started to take their focus off of Christ alone. How about you? Did you start your faith walk with Jesus really strong, focusing on Him alone? And, and begin to see growth and change in your life. And, and maybe your ministry, maybe there is some ministry where you're seeing some su- success. And then all of a sudden, things begin to change. So the question is, have you taken your focus off of the one true faith object, God, and if you put it on to yourself. The disciples asked a great question. Why could we not cast out this demon? I think it was a good question. So the question is, was this one harder? Was this a harder demon than others? I don't know. We don't have all the answers of the spiritual realm. This is what we do know. Jesus has conquered all. But, this one was a different, as we read the situation, even as Jesus comes up to this young boy possessed by a demon, this one acted different. You know what I mean? It didn't go, what are you going to do with us, Jesus? Or, hey, Jesus, throw us in, send us to the swine, into the pigs. This one almost defiled him. Or did, it just it resisted, right? It saw Jesus, and it threw the boy into convulsions. I don't know if it was because it was harder, but we do know Jesus' response. Jesus' response was, we look down, verse 29, and he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Hold on, can you show me in here where Jesus stopped and prayed? Right? Did Jesus stop and go, okay, everybody gather around, hold hands, we need to pray? He didn't. It does, there's, there's no point in here that says Jesus stopped and prayed. So what is it referring to? I believe that it is referring to that Jesus lived in constant relation with God. Constant fellowship with God. For Jesus, prayer wasn't this, i got to go take ten minutes now and I need to have my prayer time. For Jesus, prayer time was life. Every minute of every day. 
He was, he was constantly in conversation with God. John 5.19 says, So Jesus replied, Truly, truly, I tell you, the Son cannot do anything by Himself unless He sees the Father doing it. For whatever the Father does, the Son does. Jesus was so focused on God that it was about what God was doing. He even said, it's not my will that I'm here. I'm here to do the will of the Father. How do you know that? Through a constant relationship. Continually seeking God. How's your relationship with God? Do you just go through formalities? Or are you in a continual relationship with Jesus Christ? Continually, as you go through the day and things come up, because our days never go as planned, right? Never. Are you seeking God on, okay, what do we do now? How do I go forward from here? John 15.5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding in Christ, that is how we have success. Not our success, but God's success. God works in and through us when we abide in Christ. It's a great reminder that God is the only great, the only object of our faith. He must be. The Father is the next person I want to look at. The Father experienced what Henry Black will be called a crisis of belief. Right? As we look at this, all of a sudden, the words that he says, says, oh, there's a crisis here. The father was challenged. Did he really believe God would do what he said he would do? Look at verse 22, the second half of it. And then verse it says, But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Help us. And Jesus said, If I can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Isn't that challenging? It's challenging to me because so often I pray and I hope that my prayer will be answered. So often I, I know God is capable and He's all wise and able, but sometimes I get into situations and I start acting like i got to take care of this because I'm not sure God's going to come through. James chapter 1, verses 5-8 through says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But listen to this, ready? But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea being driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Do you see what happens when we have a lack of faith? We become unstable in all of our ways. We begin questioning everything. We start wondering. And you guys, here's the deal. We need to go forward believing God. Now, 
My, my point is this, my challenge is this. I need to believe what God says is true, not what I think God should do. Not what I necessarily want God to do. But I need to believe God for what He says He will do. Even when it doesn't feel like it. I've wrestled with this, this father's situation a little bit. And I've got to ask you the question. Do you think that the disciples' failure led him to question Jesus? Does that make sense? I, I looked at that and I think, I think this is what happened. This is just my opinion because all of us have a narrative that we tell ourselves as we go through situations. Does that make sense? Especially when it's hard times. We, we create a story based off the information we have and that's what we tell ourselves. As we look back and we go, what just happened? We replay that narrative. Now think about this. This father has a son whose situation is horrible. And it breaks my heart to think about it. And out of faith, he brings his son to the disciples who have been healing people. And so I believe there is faith. And I think he brought his son to the disciples. And the disciples were not in a right position with God, potentially. Okay, this is, this is Jonathan processing. And the son wasn't healed. At this point, the father's narrative had two choices. God failed him or man failed him. Does that make sense? You guys, as we go through life, people fail us. They do. Because somebody's failed you does not mean God's failed you. God is true to who He says He is. As you go through life, and specifically hard times, I want to encourage you to look back at the narrative you've told yourself. Are you telling, does it match up with God's Word? Because often, my feelings, my emotions will create what I tell myself. But if my feelings and my emotions are separate and different than what God's Word says, then I know I've interpreted the scene incorrectly. That there's something here that I don't see. We need to remember who God is in our narrative. We need to remember the truth of who you are. Because when I think that I am just this horrible person that God tolerates and then bad things happen to me, I tell myself the story, I deserved it. But when I remember that I am God's chosen son and that he purchased me with the blood of Jesus, that I am precious in his sight, it changes the way that I view the circumstances of my life.
Um, when I was a junior in high school, I had a sister that was born dead. And uh, to make things even more intense, if that wasn't enough, um, the pastor of the church that we were attending at that time decided to use this as a time to get back at my parents because he was jealous of them. He wanted to be the one the kids went to in the youth group. And the kids loved my parents. And so he spread, started spreading false accusations against my parents. And he actually asked them to leave the church. And at the funeral of my sister, not one person from the church that I grew up in, not one person, the same church was the church that my father grew up in. Think of the history. But not one person who wasn't family came to that funeral because this pastor said, stay away from the broods. I want to ask you, did God fail us? We were hurting. We needed love from His people, from our friends. Did God fail us? No. God didn't fail us. Did man? Yes. Man failed us. But i got to tell you, my hope is not in a person. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And because when we put our hope in Jesus Christ, we don't look at people at the way they fail us and hold grudges and look for revenge. Because that's not us responding appropriately to God's faithfulness. Continue to tell yourself the truth. Romans 3, verse 3 says, What if some are unfaithful? Does, that, does their unfaithfulness nullify the faithfulness of God? And Paul responds to his own question, Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. So as we go through hard times, remember this, God has never promised that life would be easy. He never promised that, that you would go through life without difficulties. Some people share this gospel that says, come to Jesus and everything gets better. That's not what the Bible teaches. But this is what God does promise. He promises never will He leave us. Never will He forsake us. God promises to be faithful. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps His covenants and His steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Psalms 36.5, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heaven, Your faithfulness to the clouds. So as we struggle through the hard things of life, continue to remind yourself what Scripture says about who God is. As He loves you, and nothing can separate you from His love. And if in that time, you begin to tell yourself a story that's different than Scripture, stop, remind yourself of truth. The truth 
that God says. Because here's the challenge, you guys. We interpret life. Here it is. We interpret life from our knowledge base, from what we know. Now, if this circle represents all knowledge, all knowledge from the beginning of time to the end, how much, how big of your circle would it be inside? How big of a circle? If you were to come up here and say, okay, if this represents all knowledge, this is how much I know. How big would your circle be? I think that's too big for mine. Right? And yet, I want to take my situation, my circumstance, and I want to define the God who has all knowledge, who's been from eternity past and will be for eternity present, who's all-powerful, who's all-wise, who's righteous, who's true, who's faithful, and I want my experience to define Him. Isn't that ridiculous? But I do that in my pain when I start believing lies. And that is why it is so important for me to spend time in the Word of God. For you to spend time in the Word of God. You guys, it's not about doing this religious thing. I read my Bible for 10 minutes today. Good for me. It's I am desperate for truth. Because there's things that I used to know that I've forgotten. I'm desperate for God to reveal Himself more and more to me so that I can know Him as He really is. Then I can walk through life, though it's hard, with joy. Because I know who my God is. And I know who I am. So what now? Maybe today as we've looked at this, you've recognized I've put, I'm putting my faith in an object other than Jesus. Maybe today you, you've looked and you, uh, and you say, well, I've I, I begun to trust myself or methods. You guys, I don't know what God is doing in, our, in your hearts today, but this is what I do know. I know that His Spirit works. I know that His Spirit speaks to us through His Word, and He convicts us of sin that's in our life. And I'm not up here trying to say, you are a bad person. What I'm trying to say is, you are purchased by Jesus Christ But God, through this process, is trying to make you more and more like His Son, Jesus. And He reveals sin that we have. And so, if there in your life, you recognize today that you've been putting your faith in something other than Jesus. Or if you're struggling with your faith like the Father was, and you have this crisis of faith, my my encouragement is, if you're like where the Father was, be honest with God. I believe, but help now my unbelief. Confess your sin. He who is faithful and just will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
And it's not because of you, but it's because of Jesus. You guys, I believe that is one verse that many of us do believe completely. Me included. There's times that I do something that was sin, I feel horrible about. I go and I confess it, whether it's to the person I need to confess it to, confess it to God. And then I walk around for the next week beating myself up. You know what I'm talking about? I continue to carry that guilt and that shame. And I'm like, I'm such a punk. But i got to ask you this. If He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, why am I doing that? So when you take your sin to God and you confess your unbelief and you ask Him for Him to help your belief, believe Him. Trust Him. Because God who is faithful will do what He says He will do. Will you believe? Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for today. We thank You for the teaching of Your Word. Father, we ask that You who are the one who called us will strengthen our faith today. Father, I pray that you will help us as we wrestle through the process of taking our eyes off other things and putting our eyes on Jesus. Because, Lord, above all, we want you to be glorified. And, Lord, we want to walk by faith and not be a faithless generation. So, God, we ask for your help today. In Jesus' name, amen.